Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. On this week's episode, I'm at Outpost East in Halifax, Nova Scotia with Reese Waters and Jonathan Burns, the co-founders of Podstarter. Reese Waters was a highly respected and BAFTA award-winning producer, director and editor for the BBC in the United Kingdom, working with huge brands like Aston Martin when he moved to the Maritimes three years ago with his wife and three children on a whim with a thirst for adventure. With no prior connection to Nova Scotia, he began his new life finding it to be the best place to bring up a family and to start a new business. It is also where he met Jonathan Burns. Born and raised in Nova Scotia, John did what many East Coasters did back then after university and left and went as far as an 81 Volkswagen could go. To Calgary, after repairs in Quebec and Winnipeg, obviously. Out West, he worked in advertising, business development, sales and marketing, helping companies develop from prototype to profit. And in the last five years, he's travelled across the globe, working with clients like Marvel, Warner Brothers, the NBA, launching marketing campaigns to reach audiences in unique ways. As we're about to hear, it was a walk along the Halifax waterfront one morning that led John and Reese to start their own business together, Podstarter, which uses podcasting content to break through the marketing clutter to connect with people. John and Reese knew that I was a comedian, journalist, television presenter, magazine owner, etc., but were adamant I needed to add Podcaster to that list. And during lockdown, it finally happened, and we created this podcast. And your favourite one, dear listener, Mullinger Meets Canadians. But despite daily Zoom meetings and nightly phone chats, I've never actually met Reese and John in person, until now. So here we are in their recording studio above my favourite comic book store, Strange Adventures in Halifax, to discuss their lives, careers and what makes a truly great podcast. And trust me, they know of what they speak. Reese is actually the co-host of Canada's most listened to podcast, Canadian Politics is Boring, which recently hit the number three spot of the Apple podcast charts, just below Joe Rogan. So here we go. For the first time ever, here we are in the same room together. So weird. It is weird. <laughs> it, it sounds like uh, the start to a bad joke. Uh, an Englishman, a Welshman and a Canadian walk into a recording studio in downtown Halifax. I'm sure the punchline involves me and some kind of farm animal. It does. <laughs> it does. I'm glad we started, we started with sheep shagging. That's yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. remarkable. Uh, as it as always comes up when an Englishman or Welshman gets together. Uh, so... John Reese, it's great to finally be in a room with you. Uh, we've been now working together for six months. Yeah. Um, talking often daily, but it feels quite weird to see you both in 3D. I thought you both just lived inside my laptop. 
Yeah, yeah. We actually put on pants. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's very nice to see you in pants for a change. Yeah. Um, I guess the question I'd love to start with is uh, how did the two of you meet? Rita obviously moved here from the UK and we'll get into why later. But uh, how did the two of you, and you're obviously a born and bred maritimer, but you've traveled all over. How did I've, you two yeah. become a couple? Yeah, I've got, I've got the <laughs> traditional, you know, East Coast story where you're, you're born and raised, go off to school, disappear for a while and try not to come back. And inevitably you come back. Right. Um, and, and Reese and I connected, what is about a year and a half ago yeah. now. Um, Reese had just quit a job and was producing tons and tons of content and just stuff that grabbed my eye. And so we, we, we reached out, connected on LinkedIn, of course, and then went for a long walk on the waterfront. And at the end of that conversation, we sort of had some, some ideas of, of a company which then became, uh, what, Podstarter a month later almost. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we started talking, started talking about podcasts. And then I was like, oh, and I'm giving a talk at Volta, the, um, the incubation center in downtown Halifax, uh, about podcasts. And Jonathan was like, well, we should launch a company. <laughs> so we were, like, we were like, we literally got like two weeks to come up with a brand, come up with a name, design a logo, all these different things that we needed to do. And we, so we kind of, We've, we even built a website, I think, <laughs> in a couple of weeks and just cobbled the company together. And we were like, well, we know we want to be in the podcasting space. Yeah. We just we just need to you know mold and work out what the opportunities are and a business model around it. So we just threw straight, we just jumped straight in. Something just clicked where we both could see there was an opportunity and we just were like, well, let's, let's chase it and we'll work out what it is when we get it. Right. <laughs> so. And I mean, you both have very different backgrounds, but of course the two different backgrounds, of course, blend perfectly into this, uh, what this business is. How, how would you describe the business to someone, either A, that you're pitching to or who literally knows nothing about podcasts? It, it, it's funny. We were talking about this this morning, what the company is and what it was a year and a half ago and what it was six months ago. Right. And it, it is quickly changing like the industry is changing. Originally it was, the simple idea was we're going to help people podcast well. A lot of people are doing it. It's an accessible technology, easy and straightforward to do it, but there's a lot of bad stuff out there. So it was almost a, a learning or a tutorial or a workshop system. And what happened was clients started coming to us saying, you know what, I'm not really an editor. I don't want to do that. I don't want to worry about the distribution stack. I don't want to worry about the storytelling or being the producer because there is a lot that's involved in doing a podcast well. And so inevitably we shifted away from the, we'll teach you how to fish to we'll, we'll take care of whatever you need us to do. Yeah. And also we've realized that the real key to get in people excited about podcasting is to pitch them creative ideas that don't necessarily uh, sound like every other podcast that you hear. So we're, we're more actively trying to get people to engage with, Hey, why don't we, when we, um, you know, record on a, on a lobster boat out in the ocean rather than, you know, be in a room like we are now. So, and, and also how do you weave the story together? Do you have, do you have scripts? Do you have actors? Is it more of a documentary feel? So we're, we're trying to offer people kind of creative solutions. We'll, we'll, we'll give a range of ideas. Some are more traditional, some are more out there. Um, but we, we really try and push that podcasting can be a really creative endeavor um, and something that can make, really make them stand out as well. Right. So I mean, I'm sure there's no such thing as a typical client, but who would be uh, like the who, who were the first few clients? And well, it, it's I'm more excited to pick up on the, the thread that Reese was just talking yeah, about there, which was the our approach shifted so that we're actually interested more in the audience first. Right. Who would listen to something? And then if you can find that sort of that open space, 
and move into there to figure out the stories that you're telling to that particular audience. And then we've been going back even further saying, who aligns with that storytelling? Who is our brand? Is there a customer? Is there somebody that's going to pay the bills to put it together? So it became the audience, the storytelling, and then the monetization piece. That's the latest structure for us from a podcasting standpoint. So there's no typical client for that. Any, any corporation that has a, uh, a story that they want to be able to tell, we're starting with, with that storytelling structure first. The other ones, though, were, were uh, um, large organizations that were saying, typically we have a message to share. We don't know how to get it out there. So we talked about marketing. Is it, a, is it killing the white paper? Is it like a blog post? Is it a vlog? Is it, we're using podcasts to be somebody's content calendar to be able to start a conversation in a natural, casual conversation and then roll that up and package it into bite-sized pieces of content for social, digital distribution and so forth. So what makes a, a great podcast then? Well, it's funny because we, we talk we, about... We, we disagree on so many yeah. things. Right. Yeah. Right. Here's the first fight. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, it depends on what you define as successful. Of, of, of course. Um, and, and of course, it, it's always subjective. But I guess if we were looking at it I guess success financially would be would be obviously one one avenue, but um, it, but then you've got a concept like Joe Rogan where people love what he does, but of course also makes millions from it. So I guess would that be the definition of? Well, so so if the, if it's the money piece, Joe's mm. doing a really good job, right? But he also has a really good podcast that people really want to subscribe and listen to. So he's built that audience, right? So that audience metric is one of the one of the key principles. Uh, for our business clients, it's usually not about mass audience. It's about specific audience. So if it's a company that's trying to change their perception in the market or set themselves up as a thought leader in the space, if we can target that to 100 people that go, yeah, you guys are like Deloitte, for example. You guys are the best at crisis management. And all of a sudden shift that structure around. As long as it does two things. One is hit that KPI. And two is engage an audience so that they, you know, from beginning to end, are engaged in that conversation. Right. For me, it's does someone listen to that podcast? Do they do they actually respond emotionally? Whether you've made them uh, kind of excited, sad, you made them laugh. You know, for me, um, even if a show doesn't do well, but it really builds an audience around the fact that you're passionate and you're connecting with them, yeah. that is a that, that's a, a a really big indication of success. You've got to have a reason to be there. You've got to be passionate about what you're doing. You've got to have a purpose for actually talking and, and expecting people to listen and give up a chunk of their lives to tune in. So I think for me, if you can get that right, the other success will follow depending on multiple factors. But if you don't get that right and you build something loosely around, ah, oh, maybe people would like this and I'm already into this, but it's popular, so let's talk about it. But I feel like those are always doomed to failure. <laughs> so- yeah. And I guess that's the thing is that, is that if an audience feels like either A, they're being... Um, essentially patronized because they're being you know given something that that they are being told we think this is what you want as opposed to them discovering something organically i mean of course one of the fascinating things is is concurrently while doing this business you also launched your own podcast canadian politics is boring which of course has gone on to be a a huge success and again i don't we're we're still discussing what is the 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 measure of success but the measure of success is tons of people listen to it it hit number three in the charts after you know rogan what an incredible achievement to get there was that both is was that kind of like a statement of intent where you're like look we did this 
So we're not just saying you can you can do this. We're saying, look, we did it and we can do it for you too. Yeah, and I think that there's a, a number of factors that that show grew. Um, and the, you know, that is, a re- it, it is repeatable. It's not guaranteed. You know, it's like you can't, you know, if you can manufacture a hit, then, you know, you can make a lot of money, but it's not always a foregone conclusion. So with Canadian Politics is Boring, I... Uh, kind of saw that there was uh, no content that I... I wanted to learn about Canadian politics as a new Canadian. Yeah. But there were no shows that were packaging that information up in a way that I like to consume it. If I laugh, I remember it and I enjoy it. Whereas there's a lot of there's a lot of content out there, but it wasn't what I needed. So it made sense to create that. Yeah. And then the second factor is that um, my... Uh, Jesse, my co-host... We've got to really. We we've always got on naturally from the from when we first met. So getting that chemistry right, um, so that you could have fun, you can play off each other. That is that's another component. But then also, um, I think just just how you brand it, the name in itself. We we wanted to. If we were launching a comedy show, a political comedy show, everyone's first reaction is like, especially a Canadian specific yeah political comedy show. Everyone's first reaction is that's just boring. I'm not going to tune in. So we needed a name that would challenge that yeah. first. Um, kind of thought that will pop in their heads head on and, and own it essentially. Right. And also when you see the words Canadian politics is boring in the listing, that's it's funny and it's also intriguing. Exactly. So yeah. so it was all those different factors I think we we were lucky that they all came together in the right way at the right time and just made us very discoverable and shareable and um uh yeah it was it, you know it, it it was it was a it was bizarre because we 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 began the project very uh it wasn't like we were passionate about talking about what we were doing. We were passionate about making comedy, but we were we were of the mindset that everyone's setting up new podcasts during COVID. Yeah, let's just do this for us. Let's just have fun, right? And uh, with no expectations of where it would go, we we didn't have set ourselves some goals of going. Let's get in the top ten within right. twelve months. And I think that because we were relaxed about it and because we didn't take it too seriously, that actually worked in our favor because we weren't we were just having fun and not trying too hard, and that work too in a weird way which i know is a strange thing to no, say but it, no, but it's strange it's, advice yeah <laughs> but, but but it is strange given you know that you're both in the business of uh creating podcasts and then you do one for fun and it kind of for whatever reason um became a, a, a huge success and as, as you say i think if, if if someone is trying hard to to tick a box then listeners are going to know that. And they, yeah. don't, they don't want to yeah, feel yeah. like that they're being pigeonholed in something. It's funny because we do use it. We leverage it uh, from a marketing standpoint to yeah. be able to say, yeah, Podstarter is able to do something really good. Look at this as an example. Yeah, which it's- is amazing because so many creative uh, businesses that are selling a creative product actually don't have, it's, you know, for example, companies that call themselves marketing agencies or social media agencies and they've got 50 Twitter followers. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, it's yeah. like you can't even do it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas you guys have got this thing where you can go, we did it. But it's funny because Reese mentioned just the other day, one of the the feedbacks that he got from a, from a comment mm. made him remember why he did it. So a, 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 you know, a comment was left saying things like, uh, really needed to laugh. Laughed until I pissed myself. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. And that sort of strikes the, the the reason why you were doing it wasn't as a marketing exercise, wasn't to say we can do this, improve it, and all that kind of stuff. You, you did it to sort of scratch that comedic itch yeah. and yeah. get the response from, you know, an audience. Yeah, and and like the Stan Lee always used to say that his friends were becoming doctors and lawyers and politicians and doing important things. And he was, you know, making comics. And that he always felt really like am I doing the right thing? Am I actually having a positive impact on society? 
but he realized the amount of joy and happiness he brought to people with what he created over the years that he he, ne- he was always trying to remind himself that that it was worth every single second you know the ability to 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 make people laugh and have fun you know you know as a comedian that it's like a buzz if you know that you can create something or do something that then uh, makes people smile a stranger in a car hundreds of miles away smile yeah that's really addictive it's like it's like heroin yeah i've had a taste yeah it totally is yeah you've had a taste it's very morish <laughs> no it's, it's true and um for you obviously i'd love to go back to like how you came to be here because you like me must get asked that question all the time you know yeah. why why the hell did you move to the amount of times and uh, I, of course, have at least have the excuse of some familial uh, connection, whereas you uh, decided to leave Wales and you had a successful life and career and obviously your family's in Wales and you picked, uh, picked Halifax, Nova Scotia. Tell me why. Yeah, I mean, we have no family here until I visited on my own as like a research trip in 2017 in April because I wanted to come when the weather was bad right. <laughs> just, to, just to see it at its worst. But it wasn't yeah. that bad. Um, we had no connections and it was the first time I'd ever been here. And me, me and my wife had got married in Banff, um, uh, you know, uh, before. So we'd been to, we'd seen a little bit of, of uh, Western Canada. Mm. Um, and there was just, we, we knew we wanted to come to Canada and we needed to find somewhere. And I think the reason we first started to look into Nova Scotia was it just looked a bit different. It looked a bit interesting. And I think Toronto and Vancouver, we may as well have moved to London because, you know, living in a big city is a lifestyle choice. But we almost wanted a slower pace. We wanted to re-gear our lives to be around spending lots of quality time with the kids. Uh, and we felt like we could achieve a life here where um, in the UK we were working really hard for less. And we wanted to work less for more. And it felt like when we just looked at, when we asked questions, when we you know asked other people, how, the experiences they had, we looked at house prices, we looked at you know all, those, all that information. It seemed like we could achieve this lifestyle here based on pure data. Um, uh, not that I'm like an analytical expert, <laughs> it's just Google, but yeah. yeah, but then we came here and we just fell in love with the place. Everyone, it was so easy to come to a new country where you know nobody and everyone will talk to you and ask you questions and welcome you. And that made it so easy just to come here that week, that week on my own, I came back and I was said to, to my wife, we need to go out with, with, with the boys. We need to just come and you need to come and see it as well. So in the June, then we all came out. We rented a cabin down on Fox Point Lake near Hubbards. And it was kind of a mixture of a holiday with the kids, but also then doing research, meeting people, you know, going to a bank to set up a bank account and, um, you know, uh, just kind of preemptively visiting schools and neighborhoods and things. And we came back after that week and we were just completely sold uh, on, on everything. Here. So, yeah, and then we, everyone thought, I think our family didn't believe us because we'd lived... We lived within 10 minutes of where we grew up yeah. our whole lives. We never, you know, 33 years of my life, I lived 20 minutes from where I'd grown up as a child. Uh, my business was there. Uh, nobody really believed us so when we said we were going to do it. So they were like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> go, and do your, go and do your research. You'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then when we said we were, we were actually, we got residency and we were going to move, everyone was like, oh, okay. Um, and they didn't quite get it. They were very supportive. They, I think they, they didn't quite understand, but then... I remember my parents were the first to visit when we first came here. And within 24 hours, they were like, I understand, I get it. 
Um, and they, even though they miss us and they miss the grandkids, they like don't come back. <laughs> they stay, yeah, they're having a great life. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing I hear from from my parents all the time as well. That, that no matter how much they might miss them, they would not want the kids to have to grow up in the UK. Yeah. compared to what this place offers. Um, what were the things that people? Because I found that often it's people within the maritime saying, "Oh, we'll be careful. There's no jobs here." Blah 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 blah. But yet, you and I have, have both found it a. a, a unique place in terms of and a wealth of opportunity yeah and if you're willing to kind of you know work hard or or have a great idea um in actual fact the the playing field in some ways is, is more level here than anywhere else i agree i think you, you know it's like the, there's a there's like a the unspoken class system in the uk that you know if you haven't been to the right schools you're not part of those networks certain there are limits to to what you can do unless you're exceptional or you kind of uh, really uh, you you get really lucky so i think that here there's kind of a blue collar attitude and i think that if you get affluent here you're more likely to buy a seventy thousand dollar truck than you are a sports car right because people don't want to necessarily they they want to be true to their roots and yeah. and uh, to be down to earth so i kind of feel that um when, when I came here, for me, I could see that lots of people were, were saying there's no jobs, there's, there's, you know, it's very hard to build a career here, I wouldn't waste your time, I'd go somewhere else. But I didn't didn't see that at all. I think that people convince themselves, and if you've grown up here and lived here this whole time and only applied for certain jobs in a certain sector here, maybe that is your experience. But um, it, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a buzz in the air at the moment, especially in Halifax. Uh, I bump into people f- who've moved... Like, like I have with my family from all around the world. Like the, my, my, my son in his class, there's children in his class from uh, everywhere you can imagine. He He's started to learn Korean from one of his friends in his class and everything. Wow, that's and, amazing. And, and you find that the people are being drawn here. So even if that was the case, you've got lots of people moving here with different ideas, different business opportunities. It it maybe maybe that's the perception, but it has moved on, I think, in the reality. So yeah. It's... Uh, I've got some history in yeah. Halifax. And if you talk about what Halifax looked like or Nova Scotia or the Maritimes in the 90s, that those stories were true. There were no jobs. There's not a whole lot of opportunity. Um, in the last five, 10 years, the market has been hot and perceptions have shifted now on two things. One, people are, people are saying, um, I can try things and fail. There used to be a real strong fear of failure. Um, and I don't know if that's small town mentality or having sort of feeling exposed, but now people are willing to try stuff and get uh, creative in that space. Take risks, right? Right. Yeah. And so you've got, you've got, and the tech space has really helped as well, where people are launching new concepts, new ideas, new innovation, getting started, seeing how that works, and then growing from there. The other thing is, is that I think we're at a moment right, where people are going, I can work wherever I want. It gives me the flexibility to be able to pick and choose my space, my place. And when you look at Atlantic Canada from the cost of living, what you can get, I talk about for a million dollars, you get the house and you get the cottage and the boat and the motorcycle. You want a dog and have a family, yeah. right? You've got, you got more flexibility, more options from a financial standpoint. So there's that you know disposable income, disposable time kind of feeling to it. And that's, that's a new phenomenon. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing I would say the biggest difference in my life now is disposable time yeah like yeah i have i i get home from work we go for a bike ride with the kids come back we just chill out <laughs> you know the 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 weekend sundays feel like sundays rather than preparing for the week ahead we, we just relax and barbecue and just go paddleboarding or whatever the kids want to do and i feel now like my life has got so much more um 
to it in terms of outside of work, whereas before my life felt very much like work was the main thing and everything else had to revolve around that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's really appealing to I, people, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think he's secretly sponsored by Nova Scotia Tourism. <laughs> if you go onto his Instagram feed, the if places they would, you've been. If they would like to <laughs> give me some yes, money. Yes, sign up, uh, sponsor. And uh, if you're reading the uh, Nova Scotia Tourism website along the bottom, it means cha-ching, that just worked. <laughs> um, but for you, John, I mean, you you obviously, you were, you were born here, but then you, you moved away. Tell me a bit about that and, and what took you there and what brought you back. Yeah, I went, uh, like I said, uh, the, that that fail notion. I came out of university, uh, Acadia, early 90s. There was not a whole lot of opportunity. So got in a car and drove as far as the car would go. And it uh, broke down in Quebec, was there for a good four weeks, made it to Winnipeg. It broke down in Winnipeg, was there for a day, uh, and then got stuck in uh, Calgary and was there for about 12 years. And Calgary, same thing, was a hot market. People were, everyone was from away. Everyone was thinking tons of po- potential possibility. And uh, sort of carved my, uh, my, got skills in the tech space um, and communication space. And then eventually I, I, we'd moved to Edmonton and uh, one of my employers said, would you go back to Halifax? We need you back there. And we had just had our first son, first child. And my wife goes, yeah, we'll go. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be crazy. Let's we move back and don't regret a moment of it. And my uh, one of my careers while I was here, I found I was on a plane every week flying everywhere. And I realized that there is no one right city for everybody. I was working in New York, working in, in uh, London, working in Toronto, then into uh, California, and realized that Halifax is a great stepping stone for tons of spaces and places. So, uh, so yeah, it's worked out really well. Nice. And, and do you see, with everything that's happened over the last few months, do you think that that, kind of influx of people coming here is that going to grow are more people going to realize that that the a the opportunities that we have here but also the fact that you can have it all here well covid's been weird right and and you don't covid has sort of highlighted some of the local strengths um we've created a nice atlantic bubble and have sort of gotten our hands around the covid situation to a degree as much as you can um, but I think it, it's changed the mindset of a lot of people to say what's important. And COVID has really had, you know, it's a reframing for a lot of people to say, is it, is it family? Is it friends? What do you miss? What do you need in life? And uh, a lot of the checkboxes sort of check, check off for Atlantic Canada to say, you've got what you need. Yeah. Right? What advice would you give to someone who is uh, in the UK right now or in Toronto or in the States and desperately wanting a change and they're intrigued by the Maritimes, what advice would you give to them insofar as how to approach coming here and starting something? Well, I actually spoke to two people last week <laughs> because people do reach out to me all the time yeah. and say, um, I've, I've had, I mean, you, yeah, you probably had a similar yeah, experience. Yeah, like, Yeah, when people get those and, and they're like, is it true? What, what, yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened to you? Did that really happen? Is it really that good? And you're like, yes. Yeah. And I, th- I think that... Warwick- Sponsored by Immigration Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I find that the, what, what I often say to people is, it's, if, like, you know, in the UK, the, if you want, if you're into, like, shopping is a big deal in the UK. Yeah. And you go to any small regional city and there are just... You can have a, you can be shopping all day and and, and have that experience. Uh, if if you're into that, this is not the place to live. If you lit like a lifestyle where you kind of the city is nearby, but then you've also got hikes. You, if you're out, if you're into the outdoors and outdoor living and camping, and then this is like the perfect place to live because you can have that career in, in the city, but then also everything is on you. You drive half an hour out of Halifax, you're in the you're in the forest, you're in the middle of nowhere, or you're on the, on the ocean and the beaches are you know. 
vast and and there's very few people there so if you want that experience i think that would be unnerving for some people if you like that kind of retail experience and you want that kind of um if you like convenience and all those things whereas if you're excited by the idea of you know real seasons and a ton of snow yeah. <laughs> and everything and then shoveling which to me was really exciting like we live out in the forest and a bear tore i built this out of old crates i built this kind of garbage box yeah. to stop animals getting in. this bear came and just tore the side off it and I thought that was a. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I was like yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's other people like oh, this bear. We've got a bear yeah. problem. I was like it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, true. that's why I moved to Canada. Yeah. So I always say to people, if you're kind of um, eager for that kind of lifestyle and, and you want to embrace that, it's the perfect place for you. Yeah. If if you do want convenience, you want all those other things, then it might not be uh, what you're looking for necessarily. Do you miss anything about the UK other than people? Um, I guess the. One of the one of the weird things this is going to sound, this is going to sound really egotistical, but I found like when I first when I came to Canada, nobody knew who I was or any of my work or anything that I'd done. But in the UK, it was an easy conversation to talk about some of the shows I'd worked on. Yeah, and even if people didn't hadn't watched the show, they'd maybe heard of it or knew knew Rod, the star of it. Right. So that was a very easy conversation to open doors from a business point of view. Yeah. Um, and would qualify and also, uh, you know, kind of, uh. Be, be people would instantly kind of warm up yeah and, and be you know every, everyone knows and loves rod gilbert and and it's true basically coming here in in many ways you are starting from scratch exactly because none of your credits mean anything here and i the exact same thing you come here and go well i've been on this and done this and people are like okay <laughs> good for you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, 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 who's your wife's father exactly you know, that's what anyone wants exactly. to know and uh it's yeah that's an interesting one and that is an important point that then it was the first thing of course that we bonded over was the fact that I mean I have worked with Rod Gilbert doing stand-up and wonderful wonderful comedian and of course you were a producer on his uh, on his tv show which I used to watch and love and so I couldn't believe that when we first spoke that someone again I couldn't I'm still the person that gets surprised when people move here even though I'm the one telling people to do it so so again I complain about people saying it to me but sure enough as soon as you said yeah well I, you know and I knew, realized who you were I was like, why the hell did you come here? Right? But, uh, I'm basically, I'm, I don't practice what I preach yeah. always. But, but for me as well, I thought it was a really healthy experience to be like in my mid-30s and then suddenly Stop. have to prove myself all over again. I agree. Yeah. It was invigorating. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a great lesson, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. For everybody, it doesn't need to change your location. What you did five years ago, it's probably kind of irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah. Keep building, keep reinventing, right? Totally. To, to come to a new place and basically have to start the grind from scratch was something which I definitely found... Well, and again, I do. I, I maintain that this place is unique in that you can do that. In that, if you do good work, people will hear about it. Whereas in England, I feel like, or anywhere in the UK, I feel like it can get lost. And it works both ways. Like I always say, this: you could be, a, you could be a, a, sh a shitty plumber in the UK and get away with it forever. Yeah, yeah. Even if everyone told everyone, yeah. the word isn't isn't going to get around. Whereas you do one shitty job as a plumber in Chester or Rosse or or Charlottetown. Everyone's going to hear. You're never going to get another job. And it's similarly in entertainment or whatever it is. Um, you do something well and people like it, they will tell a lot of people and the word will spread quickly. Also as well, if, if you have come here from uh, from from away, people, if it, just can I have a coffee? I'd like to, I'm new to the city. I'd just like to, to learn about what you do or what, you know, the, uh, what's going on in the, in the city. What, what's this industry like? People were so open to just sitting down and talking right. um, and giving their time up and and 
people are like, hey, let's don't don't get a coffee, let's get a beer in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like I was like, this is my kind of place. Yeah. And <laughs> like, of course, in the UK, if you were like, hi, I'm new in town, do you want to go and get a coffee? People would think you were mental. I, who is this strange yeah, person? Who is this strange person? <laughs> yeah. But I know one thing we've talked about before, which I think listeners might find interesting. That when the one weird thing here though is that as you said before. When people say let's go for a beer, they do mean a beer. I know. And in England, they mean twenty beers. <laughs> well, and like, it's... before I came, my, my one of my best friends said, "Let's just let's just go and have an Indian meal. Let's just have a pint, well, a pint." And this was a Thursday night, and he had work at eight a.m. the next morning. I think we had a taxi after like eight pints. Right, and that that's was just that was just normal. A, that was just a Thursday. That's a very <laughs> quiet Thursday. Exactly. That, that's quite civilized. No shots. Uh, you know, <laughs> you didn't get into double figures. Eight pints is normal. And here, it's very rare that people drink eight pints. I know. And you, you guys are hanging around the wrong people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 that's true. I'm just, I have people. a drinking problem. Right, right. Good, good, good. Okay, good. This, is, this, is, this is good news. And you are right. I mean, right now, last night, Monday night was absolutely buzzing around here. And you would have thought it was a Friday. Yeah. Um, that's the weird thing about this office is like, if I work late, I come down and then all the light, the fairy lights are on on the street. There's like live music in the street. There's just the atmosphere, even during like, since they've relaxed everything here. Um, and even though everything is locking down everywhere else, there's still this just, I think people are just reveling in the fact that there's this sense of normality and that they can have a meal and a drink and, and watch some live music with other people around them is a real privilege at the moment. I think, yeah. So. And John, I mean, one of the things that, that this city offers in so many ways is of course, there is, it may not have as much uh, arts and culture and shows as somewhere like Toronto, but there's far more than any one person could do. I mean, is that something that, you know, what do you think about well, I, I think, I do think that there's a, there's a thriving foodie culture. There's a bi-local, there's microbrews, craft brews. There's a real strong uh, community built around that food and culture space that there's, there's tons to choose from. But you're right. I, it was funny. I was, I was talking to a friend that's from Toronto who came back here and said the same thing. There's not enough choice here. And I had just come back from New York and I've said, New Yorkers say the same thing about Toronto. Right. There's not a whole lot. So you can always sort of roll those criticisms down market downhill. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm always a fan of saying, if you can't find what you're looking for, where you're living, go somewhere else and find it. Right. It's available. It's a short enough distance to get there. Yeah. Now, mind you, we're not flying as much as we used to, but mm. when you talk about a shopping experience, pop down to Boston, hour and 45 minutes away and you're in a nice shop. Exactly. Right? When you need it, go there. And yeah. I mean, the thing I never understood was people, you know, people would say to me, even in St. John, they'd be like, but there's nothing to do here. I'm like, I'm like, there's A, there's so much to do and B, the number of like granted in London, there may be all this extra choice, but I wouldn't make it to most of the things I wanted to go to. Now here in St. John or here in Halifax, I still uh, don't make it to most of the things I want to go to. So really why be in a place where there's just more stuff that I'm missing yeah. when I'm already missing most of the stuff that I want to go to here anyway. Also, most of the people I, I like, friends who'd moved to London, mm. there was so much to do around them, but they, the cost mm. of living meant they couldn't afford to do most couldn't, of it. Exactly. That's the thing is I could not really, I did not have a disposable income in London to necessarily go and see Michael Bublé at Wembley. But yet now, if Bublé might not come to St. John, but I can afford to jump on a flight one hour to Montreal and uh, and go and see him. And that's the difference. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's funny here. You can get the things that you think you want, and then you realize you don't want them. I bought a boat. 
biggest mistake I've ever made. What I realized is like a truck. You want to know somebody who has a boat or a truck so you can use it every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. but you don't want to own it, right? It, it, it's true. I always say that the thing with the boat thing is that only an idiot would own a boat <laughs> because when you turn up to go on someone's boat and you turn up with your case of beer and you get on, that idiot has been standing there for three hours pumping hundreds of dollars worth of gas in. And then when you get off the boat to go home, that person is going to be stuck there forever. And as you say, friends with boats is key. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think I'd end up sinking a boat. You don't get invites, do you? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, John, what would you say is the biggest misnomer about the Maritimes? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because we all talk about that, that no job notion. Right. In Canada, when you think about Atlantic Canada, outside of Atlantic Canada, there's that notion that it's not a have-not province. There is that term frequently. Um, but you've got a, a vibrancy and a youth space here. There used to be conversations about more deaths than births. Five years ago, that shifted around where people are saying, I actually want to live in a place like Halifax. So that old notion of saying Halifax is an old stodgy town or a declining space or all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's really shifted around. And the, the growth that I see in, in Halifax, specifically Nova Scotia, Maritimes, Atlantic Canada, mm -hmm. um, has been, uh, it's exciting to see. It's true. So how many years here now? Three? Two and a half. Two and a half. I mean, that, it, that, that A must have gone fast, but also it feels like you've been, it feels like you've been around forever. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, you know, no, no you're already born. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah. And, and, and I also, I mean, in that you've become so, ensconced within the, the the Halifax scene, but also um, just your your life here. Um, where, like, why how do you think, why do you think that happened so, so quickly? Why, how do you think all of that happened so fast? I think as a family, we were, we were hungry for it. We were hungry just to come here. And we, we've got this huge list of beaches, places, hikes that we want to do. And we're just working through it slowly. Right. Um, it is just a thirst for wanting to make it work here that really made it work. I right. think if I'd sat around waiting for things to come to me, then maybe it would have been a different conversation. Maybe I'd be back in Wales making Welsh TV shows or something <laughs> again. You know, but I, th I think for me, I, there, there, there wasn't, there was a there was no such thing as a scenario where this didn't work for us. Right. We'd, we'd thrown everything into moving here. We'd even brought the dog over. You know, we'd, we'd got rid of any kind of um, financial or any kind of anchor aside from family back in the UK. So we were kind of all in. So it, it, there was no way this we weren't going to make this work for ourselves, I guess. So. It had to work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that's, that's key. You yeah. came over thinking this is going to work. It's going to be a success. You never thought about failure or the backup plan. Yeah. I think if right? it did fail, I wouldn't even recognize it. I'd be like, well, this is just a minor hiccup. Right. <laughs> so, and then, what's, yeah. what's next, right? Which exactly. is what your mentality is saying. Yeah, yeah. What's next? What's next? And, and uh, you're lucky to be able to say, I can, I can force my, myself into my space. You can find your fit, yeah. right? Which is what you've done. Annoyingly, just keep knocking the door. <laughs> exactly, keep, keep, keep knocking. Well, this has been beautiful and very meta that the uh, the, the the listeners of Mullinger Meets Canadians get to meet the people that created Mullinger Meets Canadians. That uh, again, before I met you guys, uh, I would not have done a podcast if I hadn't met you. So uh, here we are, and uh, now everyone knows you even better. <laughs> Happy days. Brilliant. Yeah. It's been finally nice to meet you in person. Yes, I know. I know. It, it feels quite surreal, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I keep thinking, is this what Zoom looks like now? But no. This well, I, is... I think it's hilarious because typically this is Zoom in casual chairs, and here we are in a living room kind of setup. Yeah, but still together. It's still together. Exactly. It's wonderful. Well, keep uh, 
Keep smashing everything you do, guys, and uh, we will no doubt do this again. Definitely, yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mullinger Meets Canadians. If you like greatness, creativity, being inspired, laughing, or just love Canada as much as I do, then this is the podcast for you. So please do subscribe and review the show now. Further details can be found on the Edit website, maritimeedit.com. See you all next time. Podstarter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.